I'm back. <laughs> Welcome back, folks, to Big Blue Avenue. If you're just watching that intro video for the first time, that was done by the lovely Sam Cardona below, the girl who talks sports. Uh, awesome intro video. It gives me chills every single time. Hello, Sam. Hello, Hank. How are you both doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. Rushed home from work to be here, so I'm in my work clothes right now, but very, very excited to talk about the Giants today. I am super excited to be back. We finally have the whole squad together after what feels like, I don't know, the first time in forever. Tom, we missed you. Believe me when I say it. I I had a lot of fun doing the show with Johnny a few weeks ago when we had our guy, uh, Mike Vivolo. That was an awesome talk. And um, Sam, I had a good amount of fun doing with you. But Tom, let's be real. This show is not the same without you. And I truly, truly mean that. And Sam, by the way, a good tip next time if you're on your way home from work, maybe pack a giant shirt in your uh, yeah. <laughs> I have I have my, you know, I got some stuff behind me. I'm not completely bare, but yeah. No, I know. I just I always have like maybe one Giants jersey or one Rangers jersey, like in my car if I'm ever on my way to a game or something. Just thought I'd give you that helpful hint. You're both very kind. Um there it is. Oh. <laughs> I have my Blake jersey right Blake here. Blake Martinez. Miss him. <laughs> Miss him. This is Big Blue Avenue, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my two co-hosts here, Hank and Dichter and Sam Cardona. Uh, folks, if you're just tuning in for the first time, you can check us out on our Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube handles at Big Blue Avenue. Appreciate all the support. And make sure to go check out our proud sponsor, BetUS. You can sign up with our promo code below there at join125. Get a 125% sign-up bonus with BetUS using that promo code, you can bet straight from your mobile device, on the go, anywhere, anytime. That is BetUS, America's number one favorite sports book, where the game begins. Um, I feel like it's always about betting these days, right? That's all that you see in these commercials, these advertisements when it comes to sports. But, man, am I excited to be back and talk about some New York football giants, baby. Both of you did an awesome job. Um anchoring the ship while I was gone. Apologies as work got in the way a little bit. And folks, if you have any comments throughout the night, feel free to comment in the live stream. We love our fans and we appreciate all the support. Make sure to also give the show a like and share the podcast as it helps with our algorithm. So I did a week eight recap video. I went to Florida this past weekend it was an ugly fourth quarter for the Giants. I think we could all agree on that. They lose to the Seattle Seahawks 27 to 13. Um, hands down, the team's worst performance all around of the season. We'll get into our key takeaways here. Um, Sam, I'll start with you. What was one key takeaway from this week eight game, um, positive or negative, that you think could have um, an outlook for the rest of the season? So I definitely think just in general, this game, I was getting flashbacks from last year just a little bit. I was just feeling like I didn't think we were going to come out of this game. I didn't think we were going to win. I wasn't feeling it. And that's how I felt like basically every game last year. Um, and that's kind of, you know, I, it was like I wasn't expecting anything and I didn't get anything. So Going up against the Seahawks, obviously it was we were we kind of underwhelmed them over a little bit, but obviously Geno Smith, Kenneth Walker, that entire defense is I'm sorry, offense is um, a lot stronger than people were anticipating to begin with. So I'm I think that they kind of needed this going into the bye to be like, okay, this is everything we did wrong. Now we can assess everything for the next you know week, two weeks um, before they head into week ten. Because it's coming, it's I cannot believe that we're already in week nine as of today. Like it's crazy that we're already halfway through the season. So I just think that I'm happy that it happened. I'm not happy that we lost, but I'm happy it happened before the bye. That way, all the mistakes that we have made, we can have a big turnaround. And I'm feeling like this second half of the season is going to be very strong because of the fact that we had this loss before the bye. So that's how I'm feeling. Hank, talk to me. What are you thinking? Because you predicted this loss to Seattle. I said it might happen. You said it will happen. And I look at it like this. To me, this was essentially what I like to call a scheduled loss. And 
a scheduled loss is basically a loss that you pretty much know is going to happen due to reasons that are probably beyond the Giants' control. And look, that's pretty much what happened. And, you know, when you look at what the Giants has been going on with the Giants lately, the travel schedule was kind of weird. I mean, you had a game in London, then you had to go back home for a few games, and then you had to fly all the way to Seattle. That's definitely not going to help the body clock. And then the big thing that also did not help was the fact that you had the injuries. And look, I don't want to make excuses for the Giants for why they lost this game, because believe me, there were things that happened that the Giants should have done better. But with that being said, after a hot streak, a loss is always pretty much going to be inevitable. So, you know, you can't really win all these games. And Seattle is a notoriously tough place to play. It is what it is. But with that having been said, the Giants also did a better job at stopping the run than I think you and I pretty much thought. I think we all discussed that Kenneth Walker was going to be the big threat for the Seattle Seahawks. He didn't quite have the dominating game that we thought, but, you know, still, I'm, I think at the end of the day, though, if you had told me that the Giants were going to be 6-2 and two going into the bye week, my first reaction, let's say this would have been told to me during, like, say, June or July, I probably would have looked at you like you had three heads. But my second, my second thing is, if you were telling me this and I knew for a fact you were serious, I would have said, sign me up, because six and two is six and two. It doesn't matter that we're pretty much in third place and tied with the Cowboys, although we pretty much lose that tiebreaker. And it doesn't matter that a certain awful Philadelphia team somehow has not lost the game yet. Hopefully that'll happen tonight, but unfortunately I don't expect um, it. Hank, your, your expectations are up here for that. Well, I mean, that's the Philly team that I want to lose. As far as the baseball team that's playing tonight, hopefully they can beat a certain bit of cheaters in Houston, but we'll, that's discussion for another day. Here's my key takeaways from the game. The Giants are still a young football team that's going to go through some growing pains this year. Mm-hmm. Um, while I think Geno Smith had a really good game, I don't think this identifies who he is as a quarterback this season. I think we've seen a very small sample size, and I'll say this. I did not appreciate Gino's comments after the game, uh, publicly thanking Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese for this win after saying it wasn't a revenge game and then turning around and saying that. I'm sorry, Gino, that doesn't sit well with me. Um, you can kiss my ass if you disagree. I, I'm really not happy with Gino Smith um, and the words that was said. Don't get me wrong, not taken away from his performance. He's had a phenomenal start to the season. But I'm sorry, he's a real jackass if he has the the nerve to come out and say those things, knowing that five years later, really, Gino, it took you six years to become a starter in this league again. Who the hell are you? (laughs) What's that thing that one of my gym teachers, well, what's that thing that my baseball coach used to say to me all the time? Act like you've done it before. The thing is, win graciously. He had a great game, but I think he ruined it with his press conference after the game. And don't get me wrong, he's had a lot of success, but yeah. I didn't even hear those comments. So to hear you say that is, talk about T, that's, that's, like, you're right. It's not like this happened like last year, like five years ago. (laughs) Five years ago. Let it go, Gino. Dang. Scotty made a similar Um, comment last week on our show, but I need to pin this too because I'm actually in fully agreement with him. I knew we should have signed IK and him call it and knock his teeth down his throat again. And I wish, (laughs) quite frankly, I wish he did that after the press conference. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, why not Texans beat Philly? Nobody thought Tampa would lose to Carolina two weeks ago. Very true and very factual. But on a serious note, I thought Nick Gates looked great in his return. I think that's the story of this week and this season. Nick Gates returning to play in an NFL game um, is awesome. We thought this guy at times might lose his leg, you know, had seven surgeries. He was told he was never going to walk again. He was never going to play again. And here he is over 400 days later, removed from the injury back on a football field. That's incredible. And I mean, I, I think if I, I know we have our player of the week, but 
if there's any honorable MVP of this game, it's him setting up that awesome block on the Saquon Barkley touchdown. I was very impressed with Nick Gates, and I think it could only be a matter of time before he gets inserted into that starting lineup on the offensive line. Totally, totally. It's really inspirational to see any kind of player like that come back from such a such a tough injury and a scary like personal medical journey to go on. So it's and it's exciting to have it come from someone that's on the Giants and kind of represents the Giants as a team a little bit. So I hats off to Nick Gates for sure. And I'll admit, Hank, you and I haven't been a big fan of this player, but Josh Azudu, he was so so in his first start. He wasn't bad. Um, I was impressed with him at times. He's gotten a lot better with his hands. Um, his So that was his first start in the NFL. But the real story about this offensive line is Andrew Thomas. Yeah. He's the best. I, I'm going to go out and say this. I'm going to put him above Barkley. He's the best player on this football team. I, I completely support that. And, you know, let me go to a tweet that, you know, what's funny? Somebody, I saw a tweet. I can't remember what the account was, but. They said Dave Gettleman wasn't as bad of a GM as it may, as we made him out to be. And, you know, part of me wanted to rip this guy a new one just because of all the cap hell that he put us into. And what's that term I use again? Spending money like a college freshman using a credit card for the first time. But then you look at the draft picks and when you talk about you have to include Andrew Thomas in there. Andrew Thomas was one of his better draft picks. So. In that sense, I would have to agree with the fan that said that, but that's about the only praise from that general manager you're really going to hear from me on this show. Saquon Barkley wouldn't be able to be Saquon Barkley without Andrew Thomas. Absolutely. And I would say the same same for Daniel Jones. Yeah, for sure. I would also argue the same is true, if not for some other members of the offensive line, too. Let's go over Andrew Thomas's snaps in week eight. He had 40 pass blocking snaps. These are just pass blocking plays. One pressure. One pressure. I'm sorry, but he's been the best offensive lineman in football. What's up, Larry Johnson? How's it going? Uh, Appreciate you. No pun intended. Larry, our um, residential Cowboys fan from New Jersey. But he shows a lot of support for the show. Um, So thank you very much, Larry. It's always good to have opinions from fans of different teams here in the comments section. Um. Two other players I think we need to give credit on the defensive side of the ball. Micah McFadden, rookie linebacker out of Indiana, fifth-round pick, and the only undrafted free agent to make the roster this year, Toman Fox out of UNC. Micah McFadden, first career sack against Charles Cross, who I still feel would have been the draft pick if Gettleman was the GM. That's my opinion. (laughs) That cross would have been the draft pick. But McFadden to get a sack against the ninth overall pick is impressive. He had 27 snaps in that game. And Toman Fox, I mean, I get it. A lot of his snaps came uh, towards the second half. But take a look at this. Six stops on just 12 snaps against the run. So 12 running plays while he's on the field. He made a tackle every other play, essentially. Um, He matched a team high eight tackles, two in the backfield and ranked number four on PFF's rookie list this week. I think I'll be honest with you. McFadden might be better than Crowder. He really might be. He outsnapped them this week for the first time. Um, I think I think Joe Shane brought it up in his press conference this week. The Giants have the fourth most playing time when it comes to rookies across the entire NFL. And it's showing. Hank, any opinions on McFadden or or Fox? I think we saw McFadden a lot more than Fox, but Fox was really good as well. Yeah, definitely. I thought Fox really looked pretty good in one of his first starts. And yeah, I definitely agree with your point about Charles Cross. Like, I think... I don't care about regardless of the result of this game. I think the Giants definitely made the better choices. Uh, well, yeah, obviously Tom's the real MVP. He's uh, in the box right next to me, and without him, there's... oh, you're <laughs> Thomas. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're not talking about me. I ain't no MVP. Andrew Thomas is the MVP. Um, 
Sam, what do you think of that comment? I mean, I really think he is eight weeks into the season. I think Barkley's should have comeback player of the year. I think Barkley's a really close runner up, but I mean, Andrew Thomas fuels the engine of this yeah. offense. Like I think, you know, we said it before. It's hard for an offense to perform when their offensive line is not good. And we're seeing that with teams, you know, like the Texans are playing tonight with the Cincinnati Bengals who literally just came out of a Super Bowl and are not performing because of their weak offensive line. So that's, I think, you know, people say defense defenses win championships, which is, I completely wholeheartedly agree with, but an offensive line is so important and they're not flashy and they're not, you know, the cutest guys on the team, but they are so essential. And like I said, Saquon Barkley, and we've seen him fail in years past because of a weak offensive line. So to have Andrew Thomas, to see someone like Daniel Jones thrive and to see Saquon back on the field and doing Saquon things because Andrew Thomas is there on that line is just, it is the most valuable thing on our team. So I would argue, yes, he could be our team MVP. Um, other key takeaways from me before we move on. Uh, injuries and the travel schedule. Hank, actually, you put this. I mean, I'll yes, let I you did. take this one. The injuries and the travel schedule seem to catch up to the Giants. That that flight to London, coming back for home game, and then back out to the West Coast. It's a lot of travel, and it takes a toll on you. And again, that's pretty much why I knew that this – I looked at this game as what I would essentially call a scheduled loss. Yeah. Ben Cruz, what's up? The gang is fully back. Can't believe the season is halfway gone. Enjoy your bye week, guys. The NFL season always seems to fly by. Like, before you know it, you're at week nine. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I feel like going into the bye week last year, I'm pretty sure I have a video somewhere on my Snapchat memories or something of me saying, thank God it's the bye week because I physically cannot watch this team right now. And it's the complete opposite this year, what right? Like the year makes. Like yeah. it's it's crazy. I like last year I was just like, thank God I have a week to breathe and not stress about the New York Giants for once. And like this time I'm just like, wow, it's the bye week. Like, dang, I'm missing the Giants. So I think that that just goes to show. And a few more takeaways. And actually, I'm gonna save those for our next segment. I'm gonna highlight them in green. But before we get there, let's get to our player of the week, our New York Giants player of the week. That is, and Sam, as always, you do a great job on these graphics, so I'm going to let you run this one down. Before anything, Nick Gates is the honorable mention. I think, to, Mm -hmm. to be honest, him just going on the field automatically makes him a player of the week, but we had to go with this guy, Big Cat. Yep. We went with Leonard Williams this week um, and just just great, great game from him. Eight tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, five QB hits. Playing through an injured elbow is like – playing through any injury is, is one thing. An elbow seems significantly hard. Um, he recorded his first sack of the season, which is, you know, a little, you know, a little late in there, but, you know, a sack is a sack. We will take it. Um, in 2022, he had five games played, 17 tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, six quarterback hits, and one fumble recovery. And he has an 80.6 PFF grade this season, the eighth among inside defensive linemen. So it's just Leonard Williams, our player of the week. And it, like we said, Nick Gates, very, very strong honorable mention, but had to throw Leo's stats up there for him. Absolutely. And before I get Hank's thoughts on that, we have a comment from Nick Morgison saying, what's up? Great show as always. Thank you, Nick, for commenting, tuning in. Um, Make sure to go check out Nick Morgison and his work at Empty the Bench Podcast Network. They do a lot of great stuff, including um, this guy over here to my left or to my right, however you're looking at the screen, Hank. To the right, Uh, I think. (laughs) I I think you're right, but... Yeah, you're talking about Game On. That's the show that I do with uh, Johnny Montalbano. We are on every Tuesday at 7. And fun fact, Johnny was actually on the show a few weeks ago. So 
I know I briefly match, mentioned it at the beginning, but Johnny, if you're watching this, shout out once again. Thank you again for doing such a great job filling in for both Tom and Sam a few weeks ago. And as always, you have been an excellent per- co-host to work with on Game On. Absolutely. Um, so that wraps up our New York Giants Player of the Week. But moving on to some midseason recap with this team, I think it's fair to say that Brian Dable is hands down the front runner for head coach over the year. Would you I've both so agree with that? I was so excited to talk about this. I was so excited Absolutely. to talk about this. <laughs> Brian Dable is literally someone, I mean, I know um, obviously coming from such a strong organization with the Buffalo Bills, um, who also just a quick shout out to the Buffalo Bills. Cause like, you know, as you guys know, I'm, Love love to have the Bills as my AFC team. Um, so I can't I can't ever remember what side it's on. Um, but they they replaced Brian Dable very very well. Like that offense didn't skip a beat. But regardless of that fact, Brian Dable has stepped in. Not only has become a personable coach for this team, they like him, they enjoy him. Something that unfortunately was not a strong suit of Joe Judge in these past few years. Just. You know, it not not anything against the guy, but it just was not his strong suit. Um, but he's personable with them. It's obvious that they like him. It's obvious that his scheme is working better with this team. And I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit, too, with Joe Shane and, and the trade deadline and things like that. But, like, we are working with people who are not stars. We're working with players who are literally just players who play football and they're not this like exceedingly great team and he's making it great and he's making it a six and two team which is for me I was not expecting us to be like this when the bye week came around so I'm so happy that Brian Dable is our coach I'm so excited that's working out and I'm super super on board with the fact that he will he not contender he will be coach of the year this year oh my gosh I don't think there really is even a question for who the coach of the year award coach of the year is name me anybody else in the NFL this year who have done more with less. Go ahead. I'll wait. We can go like about all night if we even have to do this because you're not going to find one. And let me mention this too. Look at him compared to so many of the other first year coaches. Most yeah. of these first year coaches suck. Like, yeah. they suck. Nathaniel Hackett, emphasis on the first four letters of his last name. When you get highlighted by Jaguar Gator 9 <laughs> for division three times, that's how you know you fucked up. And then look at the Jaguars with Doug Peterson. I'm sorry, but even though the Jaguars aren't necessarily that great, there is no reason that that team should be two and six with him as their head coach. And then... You have the New Orleans Saints taking Dennis Allen, who already had a failed tenure with the Oakland Raiders. Like, I think anyone could have predicted, a lot of people could have predicted that was going to be bad. And Josh McDaniels. Raiders, Raiders, what the hell were you thinking? You took one of only three coaches who will probably have a, have a below 500 record with two teams and having never won a playoff game within this millennium in Josh McDaniels. And fun fact, the, another one of those coaches in that group happens to be a Bill Belichick disciple. So there you go. Surprised. And you throw Lovey Smith in there as well. I mean, again, the Texans are one yeah. five and one. Yeah, that that's the one that's kind of like, well, he inherited a mess. But then yeah. again, you could say the same thing about Dennis Allen as well. Um, yeah, I will say this though, Kevin O'Connell. Yes, just, Kevin O'Connell. Just, I forgot he, he's just as good as Dable, in my opinion. But the Vikings have a more talented roster. You know. I mean, again, I would I would take Dable because I'm a Giants fan. I'm a little biased. That would be an interesting discussion to have with Gabe Flayton one day. Yeah, when we, yeah. When we play the Vikings. O'Connell versus Dable. We're going to get that in week 16. Fun fact. Christmas Eve. Oh. Yeah. We'll have Gabe dress up in a Santa Claus outfit, potentially. Just going to bring back the North Pole week. for one day. Hey, he did a short for us on YouTube this week discussing the Hawkinson trade. Um, that, the video blew up, by the way. Make sure to check it out at uh, Review and Preview Sports. A couple comments here. just want to get to them quickly. Noah says, Review and Preview host, 
are one and three when they all pick against the Falcons and quick picks. Keep doubting Mara Gota. That said, Chargers by 21. Shout out Noah Dog Dibler. <laughs> screw you, but screw you nicely. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Atlanta Falcons fan, Noah Dibler, host of the Puckin' Around podcast on Review and Preview Sports and the Sweet Tea Show on the Sports Box Network. Appreciate you, Noah, tuning in as always. Quick comment. Oh, boy. Arnold James. Hello, friends. According to the time you read me, God bless you abundantly. Uh, this is very long. Hey, um, I am. I. It's not even big enough to read the whole thing. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't even read his whole comment. But Arnold, thank you for the comment. Um, I will. I will um, read that more in depth a little bit later, but thank you so much for the comment. We really appreciate it, Arnold. Um, I want to get back to Brian Dable and what makes him so special. He's cool, calm, and collected. He assimilated an outstanding coaching staff with Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale, Shea Tierney, um, DeAndre Smith, uh, Andre Patterson, Jerome Henderson, Drew Wilkins. I mean, all those assistants are doing their job. Even the receivers coach who has not much to work with, who came over from the Philadelphia Eagles, um, Mike Rowe. I think he's done a solid job as well. And of course, Bobby Johnson. How could I forget Bobby Johnson? Shame on me. Um, Bobby Johnson. Um, I think he's done a really good job on what he's gotten out of his assistants. I mean, he's turned this once porous rushing attack into the fourth best um, rushing offense in the NFL. Saquon really set the tone week one against Tennessee, and it's been a thing ever since. Um, Andrew Thomas, number one left tackle in the league. Daniel Jones is playing winning football, right? That's all you can ask. I mean, it's looking like Jones could be sticking around for 2023. Um, My thing is this. People get caught up in his lack of touchdown passes, six touchdown passes through eight games. We've exhausted the lack of receivers argument, but let's take this into consideration when talking about Daniel Jones. Remember how he said last year, in order for Jones to have a shot at sticking around, the Giants likely need to finish above 500 and the Giants need to likely get their offense towards the middle of the pack. The Giants offense is averaging 20.4 points per game. That's 21st in the NFL. It's trending up in the right direction through eight weeks. There is room for improvement. So I think Jones has a really good shot of sticking around, not just because of himself, but mainly because of Brian Dable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If Jones, if Jones is not only proving himself, as a player, but he's also proving himself as a leader and he can be a leader. And I feel like a lot of players like genuinely like Daniel Jones. Like I feel like they enjoy him and I think that he might be on the quieter side, but so is Justin Herbert and he's perfectly good at leading the chargers. So if Jones can continue being this guy that we're seeing this year, that we all three of us knew was going to happen because we never jumped off the Daniel Jones train. We rode it until the wheels fell off, basically. Then I'm okay with that. I'm okay with having Daniel Jones as my starting quarterback. If you're going to continue to win games this way and continue to improve and continue to actually throw (laughs) balls that end up in the end zone, like it's not something we saw very often last year. So I'm all right with it. I'm on board with it, and I hope it continues. Before I get to Hank here, I want to pin this comment. This is an awesome comment, by the way. Beeve White. Hello, Beeve. Thank you very much for watching. They say Bobby Johnson is the reason Mark Lewinsky is the starting right guard. Went to the Giants. He's married to my niece. Oh. Interesting. That's cool. The more you know. Awesome. Well, thank you for being a fan. Um, Hope you enjoy our show. Um, I'm a big Mark Lewinsky fan. I think he was the best free agent signing this offseason. So uh, I'm really happy with what Mark Lewinsky has done. In fact, I think he might be the most underappreciated offensive lineman that we have because week in and week out, he's never talked about, right? 
That's a good thing more often than not when you're never talked about. We've talked about Andrew Thomas for his praise. We've talked about Ben Bredesen, Josh Azudu for their struggles, Evan Neal for his struggles at times for his praise as well. But we haven't talked about Mark Lewinsky, and there's a reason why, because he's playing well. He's doing his job. Um, but, yeah, shout out. Thank you very much. Scotty. Sign Jones to a two to three year, $25 million per year. Fair price. We will not be at the top of the draft to draft one of the top prospects. We can still draft the QB, but have Jones as our starter for another year or two and take it from there. Yeah, I'm not against that at all. Fairly accurate. To be fair, that's what the Eagles did with Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts, right? They took Jalen in what, the second round, and mm-hmm. obviously it turned out really well for them. <laughs> I think Jones could get a three-year deal, potentially um, like 17 to 20 million per year. I would not be against that at all with an, a potential opt-out after one year, where a deal where the Giants could get out after one year, as it's kind of like a one-year prove-it deal, even though the contract clause is three years, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be interesting for Daniel Jones. Sticking with the Brian Dable effect here, um, Wink Martindale was such a good choice for defensive coordinator. They have the eighth best scoring defense in the NFL. They give up under 20 points per game. I mean, we thought we were losing something in Patrick Graham. No, we were gaining something in Wink Martindale. Uh, Dexter Lawrence has turned into an all-pro caliber player where he was struggling under Patrick Graham. Uh, the team has dealt with a bulk load of injuries to key players, but they continue to show resiliency all around. Um, Fabian Moreau is turning into a decent cornerback number two. I thought I would never say that. This is the most we've seen out of Julian Love in his three-plus years here now. I mean, let's talk about Link Martindale and what he's brought to this team because, quite frankly, I think he's an upgrade over Patrick Graham. And I thought Graham did a decent job his first year in 2020. But the thing about Patrick Graham is you don't see the blitz and the aggressiveness with, with you didn't see that aggressiveness the way that you do with Wink Martindale. So yeah. I would definitely say Wink was slightly better, but like make no mistake. I don't really, I don't have anything against Patrick Graham. I think he did all right, all things considered, because that he essentially in 2020 turned lemons into lemonade with that defense, and they, that's why they were maybe more competitive that, that year than they really should have been. Yeah, I think you were taking the words out of my mouth there, Hank. It's a, not, not a, It wasn't a bad defensive coordinator, but having Wink has obviously been, made a big difference. We like Patrick Graham a lot. The problem is Wink Martindale is a top-tier defensive coordinator in this league. Um, Steve's comment, Lawrence is leading the team in sacks from the nose tackle position, has four sacks. Nobody yeah. accounts for him. He's a quick 340-pounder. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> there are very few of those, too, so that's special. He thinks uh, Barkley and Jones – We'll get a contract extension three years before the game next week. Well, Joe Shane mentioned in his press conference, which we're going to get to, um, that Barkley and Jones, they, they'll have discussions on those players this week. And I do think if contract extensions were to get done in season, it would happen this week during the bye week because you don't want to do it in season where it becomes a distraction. Um, I also think Julian Love might get extended before either of them. Julian Love reminds me of an old-school Bill Parcells-type player that you just want around your football team. Um, doesn't doesn't hurt that he's from Notre Dame either. Oh, of course. Oh, I knew you were going to say But here's what I really want to talk about. This rookie class has been extremely impactful. Through eight weeks, how impressed have we been with this rookie class. I know there's been injuries to Wandale and Thibodeau, and we have three rookies on IR, I think. McKeithen, Beavers, both out for the season. Well, not on IR, but Bellinger's hurt. Bellinger with the eye socket problem. Um, They've been so impressive. They really have been. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it was. it's sad to see, like, Neil go down, Bellinger go down. Like, we want to see how much these guys can do because they have been playing so well. Um, I mean, Kayvon. Kayvon's just been, like, exceeding my expectations, I feel like. I knew that when we got him that he would be amazing on our team, and I was nervous about him coming in with the injury. Um, but I just – I'm just – it's like he's been there forever almost. Like it's feel like he didn't even miss a beat with that. These rookies are just incredible. I'm really hoping Bellinger comes back sooner than later. Um, not just because I really love him, but just the fact that I know that he's just been essential to this offense. Um, and I just, I love to see these guys thrive and I want to see more of it. And I want to see, you know, these guys do incredible things for this team and hopefully they're around for a long time. Yeah, I can't, like, praise Joe Shane enough for what a solid jump job he's done with the NFL draft. Now, make no mistake, I'm not going to say it was perfect. Like so, And the reason it hasn't really been perfect is because of reasons, like you guys alluded to, that have been out of his control. You know, they've had injuries, but I think taking Kayvon Thibodeau, and I will continue to say this, at number five, was one of the best things you could have done because as, as we mentioned, like I think Evan Neal seemed like the consensus number five pick in the draft. But the thing about cave on Thibodeau and I'm sure you guys pretty much know, I think cave on Thibodeau is actually going to have a monster second half after the bye week Tom, you may, you may have heard me say that numerous times. I taking a guy like him is huge because Players of his talent at, on edge do not grow on trees. They really don't. And then being able to still get Evan Neal two picks afterwards, that's just that's like the cherry on top right there. And I think definitely he did well in the tight end department because even though he's hurt, Daniel Bellinger is a sure-handed receiver and a very good blocker. So I think he's definitely a diamond in the rough. Wandale Robinson, I think, is pretty much doing essentially what the previous regime thought that uh, Kadarius Tony was going to do, but we all know how that turned out. So that's the speedy wide gadget wide receiver that actually worked out. Hopefully, let me just knock on wood. But yeah, I think he's definitely done a good job drafting. And you know what? I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I am going to say this too. I think Joe Shane also did the right thing by choosing not to mortgage their future and go after a wide receiver. Essentially, he's looking at the big picture. And look, as much as a good wide receiver, like say a Jerry Judy, would have been a good improvement, that's not the way you build a Super Bowl team over uh, over a consistent basis. You do it by building through the draft year after year. And so far, year one, that's pretty much worked out. Now, what happens going forward, time will tell. But I also love how in his press conference, he straight up admit, admitted and told the truth. Like, you know, we don't, we're not trying to go after like a guy for a quick fix. How many GMs do you see actually speak out and say stuff like that? Not many. No. And Steve asked this comment. Shane for GM of the year. I think you could argue that. I think you probably could. And the Giants are essentially on a similar path to where the Bills were like five years ago in 2017. So I don't think that's really a coincidence. Yeah. Um, the only difference is we already have, and my, okay, this is my opinion. We already have the quarterback. Right. They did it. No, they had Tyrod the Taylor and they had Nathan difference. Peterman. Right. You know, I that, can't that's even the way I look at it. Starting Nathan Peterman for a few games <laughs> back at that year. Yeah. Also, Dane Belt and Mike McFadden have been two impactful rookies. By the way, that third rookie on IR is DJ Davidson, the defensive tackle out of Arizona State. But I think they've been impactful. And Tomon Fox getting reps at that edge rusher position, replacing Aziz Ojolari, who hasn't played – much at all this season. I think he's played, what, one or two games, if that. 
Yeah. That, that's been a headache. That's been very disappointing for me. I think that might be the most disappointing thing about this defense, to be quite honest with you, that he hasn't played. It really stinks. Mm-hmm. It really, really stinks. So previewing the bye week now, um, some sad news before we get into the clean uh, news. Uh, beloved wife of former ex-Giants head coach uh, Tom Coughlin has passed away at the age of 77 years old. There's a picture of Tom and Judy together. Um, Judy passed away Wednesday morning after a battle with a rare brain disorder called supranuclear palsy. The Coughlins have four children and 11 grandchildren. Judy, um, outstanding support for Tom throughout his time as the head coach of the Giants from 2004 to 2015. And Tom Coughlin made this statement regarding his, uh, you know, his widow. Um, my, my cherished wife and our beloved mother and grandmother, Judy Whitaker Coughlin, passed away this morning, as in yesterday morning now, at the age of 77. Judy was a remarkable woman in every way. She lived a life filled with love and unselfishly gave her heart and soul to others. Judy made you feel like an old friend from the first hug to the last. She was a mother to all on and off the field for everyone who knew and loved Judy. The enormity of her absence cannot be put into words, but the immense kindness she showed to others will always endure. Our hearts are broken, but we know she is free from suffering and at peace with the Lord. Statement from Tom Coughlin and the Coughlin family. Um, Tough. You know, it's it's just tough because she helped Tom and a lot of people, you know, if you're a younger Giants fan, like maybe a teenager, you might not know this, but the Jacksonville Jaguars were founded in 1995. That organization was jump-started by Tom and Judy Coughlin. People forget Coughlin was the first head coach in franchise history for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Judy played an immense role. In that, but Hank and Sam, I just want to get your your thoughts on this here. Um, just terrible news. Uh, yeah. Start off the week. Really sad, really sad. But it, it's good to remember people in a positive way, and it's good to remember someone for all the good they have done. Um, for something like our football organization, which seems so minuscule after someone passes away. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really, really sad. But it seems like she lived a, a long life and she did a lot of great things during that life and you know we're happy to have some sort of affiliation with her being Giants fans and you know being supporters of Tom Coughlin which in proximity means supporting Judy Coughlin so um really sorry for the Coughlin family's loss but I hope that you know she can be remembered in a positive way yeah, I'm really sad to hear hear about this news. LPG posted some tributes to her on his uh, social media page, and seems like she really went out of her way and went to a lot of New York Giants charitable events. And, you know, she seemed like a very special woman, very supportive of her husband and very supportive of a lot of the char- charitable work that they have done over the years. And... You know, I don't know if there are any tributes that any of the players have posted on the social medias, but I'm sure many of the former Giants from over the years have some very fond memories of Judy Coughlin. And yeah, definitely a very sad day. And rest in peace to her. And my thoughts and prayers go out to the family of the Coughlins. And by the way, I think Tom Coughlin actually has a book coming out about that Super Bowl season, if I'm not mistaken. He does. Um, I wrote it on my Christmas list, actually. <laughs> um, it's called, hold on, I'll get it for you in a minute. I just wrote Tom Coughlin book. I'm sure that's not what it's called. But, um, <laughs> definitely not what it's called. <laughs> yeah, but I'm definitely going to buy that book and check it out. But uh, one last thing on the Judy Coughlin thing. Um, they also, the, the two of them, jump-started the Tom Coughlin J Fund, founded back in 1996. Their mission is to help families tackle childhood cancer by providing comprehensive financial, emotional, and practical support through those families. And they've donated a lot of money uh, throughout the years. So great people, not just, you know, Tom, Tom Coughlin, 
was not just a great head coach for the Giants, but he was also a great person. I think people sometimes connect his, um, you know, coaching style to his personality, and that's not who he is off the field. He's an outstanding in, individual. Um, you know, quick short story here. My girlfriend used to work at the Starbucks that Tom Coughlin <laughs> went to in Park Ridge, New Jersey, and every month Tom Coughlin would, you know, he, he, he would – do something nice for them. So, you know, always, always good to know that the Coughlin's local people and they really are great, but rest in peace to Judy Coughlin. Um, But um, if there's any way to segue back into um, Giants talk here, it's been an interesting bye week. I feel like it's been very quiet. No, like not just with the trades, but, um, you know, just in general, the injuries, we haven't heard much. We know Ben Bredesen was placed on IR. I heard um, in Shane's press conference the other day that they're hopeful for Kenny Galladay in week 10 against Houston. And they're also hopeful for Evan Neal potentially in week 10 against Houston. And the plan for Daniel Bellinger is week 11 right now against the Lions. So that that's not so bad. I personally don't think you need Bellinger against the Texans. I mean, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, you need Bellinger every game, but let's be real. I think we can win without him that week, you know, but um, I think it's a matter of time. This bye week happened at such a good time because the Giants, they're getting healthier. They have a lot of players hurt, key players. Um, and these next two games just got a lot easier where – um, Hawkinson got traded to the Vikings, so the Lions don't have yeah. him. The Giants could be eight and two heading into Thanksgiving. <laughs> I love that. Let, let me let me ask you guys a quick question. Kenny Galladay comes back. Does he see the end zone for the first time in his Giants career? What do you think? You want that first? I don't know if I can answer quite yet. I'm just curious where you guys where your guys' heads at in terms of Kenny. I haven't even thought about Kenny Galladay. <laughs> Neither have I. Like so that's that's why I'm having trouble answering your question. I you I'll want tell you what I think, that, but I'm I think gonna. no. I don't think I think he doesn't see the end zone at all, and he's gone by the end of the season. I I don't really disagree i i I just think steve agrees if he's gonna complain about his playing time and then you know you have all the the burn a bridge with um brian dable that doesn't sound like somebody who's gonna contribute this year i'm sorry to say with all and as um i can't remember what 80s group saying this but essentially money for nothing then no catches for free Dire Straits, but sorry. Dire Straits, money for nothing and the chicks for free, something like that. Yeah. Um, hey, Kenny Galladay might be eating food at a microwave oven soon if he doesn't start getting his act together. But anyway, uh, to answer your question, Sam, this is my answer. Yeah. There'll be no words. Mm. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. David, David Sills. That's my answer. I think he scores a touchdown before Kenny Galladay does. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, but if Saquon and David Sills are taking pictures like this with Daniel Jones and Kenny's not there, I mean, it says something about Kenny. Look at uh, Daniel Jones. Look at him. <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> He's just living life. I love them. Oh, man. But for real, though. Karen Galladay couldn't find the end zone with the flashlight. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I do feel bad, though, because I really want to like this guy, too. Like, I really like this guy as a person. It's just I, I can't. I was excited when he popped over to the Giants. He'd done amazing <laughs> things in Detroit. I was excited. And God, Hank's losing it. Are you good? <laughs> yeah, Karen, Karen Galladay. I'm like, That what? was not a typo, Steve. <laughs> that was definitely not a typo. <laughs> That's why I'm done. Oh man. <laughs> Love it. 
absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, I think that picture of Jones, Barkley, and Sills kind of sums it up, right? Um, man, Couldn't how do we? How, how do we segue from that now? I think this is where we get into the to the discussion about not trading for a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is say. pretty much how we're going to wrap up the show tonight is to talk about this since we don't have a game to preview. Um, I'll, I'll, really, can yeah, I start? Ahead, you, you can start, yes. I, I just want to say, so obviously Kadarius Tony got traded last week. Was that last week? Oh my God. Yes, last week. It feels like it was like months ago. A week ago from today. Yeah, by the way, it happened never before got the show. On that, but great move. Great move by the Giants. Go great ahead, move. Yeah, Tom didn't get to talk about that. Me and Hank got, got to talk about Kadarius last week. Holy hair time. <laughs> with, with, with Kadarius gone, obviously, wide receiver spot opens up. People were expecting Jerry Judy to become a New York Giant. I personally was not really feeling Jerry Judy. I just was like, okay, like if we get him, it's, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to be upset, but I was like, if Kadarius leaves and that's an empty wide receiver spot, but he wasn't playing to begin with. And we've obviously been winning without him and with the offense we have now, Joe Shane making that decision that we don't need to fill that spot right away before the trade deadline is so flipping smart. And so like, why put something into the system that we don't know might be like a cog in the machine. Like we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen, but the, what the offense we have right now is working. We have injuries. We're working around them. We're still scoring points. We're still winning games for the most part, apart from last week. I think that that was just such a brilliant move made a lot of sense to me. And I'm okay with working with the off season, working with the draft to fill a wide receiver spot. So I think excellent job by Joe Shane. I'm glad with, I'm happy with what the team we have. I'm happy nobody else has gone and happy nobody else came in. And I think that it was just a plus no trades all around. Well, somebody did come in just not via the trade. Mm. Joe Shane stole one of Brandon Bean's own in Isaiah Hodgins from the Buffalo Bills. The Giants claimed him off waivers Wednesday, a gotcha. 2026 round pick by the Bills, 6-4-2-10, played in two games with the Bills this season, had four catches for 41 yards. He played just in one game last year. So essentially that's who we replaced. Okay, no. That's not who we replaced Kadarius Tony with. Hell, I'll address the elephant in the room. We ad- replaced Kadarius Tony with our second round draft pick this year. That's who we replaced Kadarius Tony with. Wandale. Which, by the way, I'm pretty Wondell sure looks- he has a he has a touchdown, right? Yeah. Looks all, great. All, all you have to know. All you, all we have to know. Wandale. More than Kadarius Tony did. Kadarius. Hey, you tried to vouch for him, Tom. You tried to I make did. it work. I I, Just, I I did, and now I look like a moron. No, um, you don't. You were trying to root for him in terms of someone who was on our team, and it just I really liked him. Fell apart, cause, right? Because no, I mean, Tom, I don't blame you. You drank the Garth Michael Patrick Kool Aid because yes, that was the influence I had in the back of my head before that draft. Garth was telling me about Tony from the Florida Gators. Like, don't be surprised if he goes in the back end of that first round, because he was being talked about as potentially the fourth best receiver in this draft behind those big three and Waddle Smith and chase. And right now he has not even been close, um, you know, with his ability to make people miss in the open field. But I think the fact that you got two draft picks for him is outstanding. Um, The right way is to build through the draft. And that's what Joe Shane has been doing. You trade Tony now, before again I'm not a big fan of what he said to Alex Wilson and I'm definitely not a fan of what he said to uh the entertainer that was uncalled for I mean I'm sorry this is not like soap opera here and that that's what he was making it like if, if you can't handle a comment from one of the nicest content creators out there who gives a lot of players the benefit of the doubt you can buy yourself a one-way ticket out of New York City that's the way I look at it um, or East Rutherford. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. But th- this is my thing. <sighs> Shane was taking calls 
But from what I heard, the only way the Giants were going to get a receiver is if they traded back a really good player in return. And beat reporter from The Athletic, Dan Duggan, was trying to get to the bottom of it. And all Shane says was, it's a, it's a good player. It was a really good player. So that leads me to believe who's a really good player on the Giants right now that might have a slim portion of trade value. Saquon. I didn't want to say it. Yeah. I, I was the first one. It, it, it was a hard no for Joe Shane. Yeah, like not now. Not no, after everything we've now. been through with him. No. I think Saquon's in for the long haul as long as he stays healthy. I think that's the mm-hmm. bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't go out and get a Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks was not making Giants Super Bowl contenders. Jerry Judy, absolutely not. Did not want him. Um, the other guy they were talking about was Elijah Moore, but I didn't want him either, um, even though he plays for the Jets and knows the field. Again, you value draft picks, right? That This is what Joe Shane's going to do. Like, he's not forcing the Giants to go all in this year. If it happens, it happens, right? They're 6-2 and two with what they got. And realistically, we look at this team, right? Galladay, Slayton, and Wandale Robinson are the top three receivers right now when healthy. I think Richie James potentially played himself out of a role after last week's performance. We didn't even talk about that. Potentially, I mean, people were saying he played himself off the team. I mean, I think that was a little absurd. The guy had two fumbles. He lost us the game. Remove him from the punt returner role. Don't remove him from the team. I still think he has some value there, you know? Like, that's how tough New York is. After one game, they're looking for your head on a silver platter, you know? It's a tough situation. But we made the right move at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Mm-hmm. Overall, I feel like injuries, when the peop- when the players come back from their injuries, this team obviously is only going to get stronger. But I'm, like, feeling very good about the second half of this season. Mm-hmm. I am, too. Um, and also, Jihad, this. Go ahead, Hank. the picks that we got in return for Kadarius Tony, how do you know yeah. that there's going to be that they might not lead to some gems in the near future? Yes, I agree with you, Hank. Um, Steve brings up a comment I don't think any of those guys they looked at would have made us a contender. Keep the picks and build through the draft. and allocate the money towards the players on your roster that are playing well. Sure. Which leads us into our overtime segment of the evening. Should Big Blue extend (laughs) Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley? Those discussions are being had this week. Yes. And yes. Yes. Keep them. Why not? It's working. It's finally working. The coaching staff is making it work. Daniel Jones is good. Like I said earlier in the show, I'm not opposed to having him as my quarterback for the next three years. Saquon stays healthy. Absolute beast. Absolute beast. Two of them together, running all over this field. Running all over this field. Next thing on the list, extend them and then pay for grass. There you go. Get rid of the turf. Extend. Grass. (laughs) (laughs) that's the order in which you guys should do things yeah i would say extend them now obviously you don't have to go crazy with those contracts especially be careful when giving a saquon a saquon barkley contract because you know you never know with these running backs that's my one precautionary thing however with that being said do you keep them yeah why not And then maybe if you want to keep uh, fixing up that offensive line too, just so that you know that Saquon can have more good runs like he's having this year, I I don't think that could really hurt either. I'll tell you this. Yes. Saquon is a must extend. Jones is a probably extend for me, and here's why. You guys know I'm a huge Daniel Jones fan, but here's why I'm against extending him this week. They've only played eight games. Can he stay healthy for the whole season? That's my biggest question right now. He has yet to play a full 16, now 17 game season. What happens if Jones goes down in week 12? No, you're week right. And Absolutely. has a spare injury. Now, you're, oh, we got to pay this guy 15 million next year. Oh, 
weight on Jones. Barkley is a must-do. I think Julian Love might get done this week as well because he's also on a contract here. When I look at players on a contract here, it's Jones, it's Saquon because he's on the fifth year. It's Nick Gates and Julian Love. I think those are the four players you want to keep. You know, let O'Shane walk. Let Slayton walk if he wants. Um, you know, build through the draft. Like I said, you know, players aren't cutting it out. Get rid, but you keep the core pieces that are leading, like Jones, like Saquon, like Julian Love. That's another player we haven't talked about much. And I think he does deserve some love. Uh, no pun intended. Absolutely a pun intended there. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting because there was this article um, that I was reading. It was from Heavy. Um, I don't look at heavy that much, but it says the Giants are predicted to extend 24-year-old breakout star. Um, you know, they'll have those meetings this week, nine games left. Um, so it's an ongoing evaluation for everybody on the roster, not just Jones and Daniel. So that tells me that Julian Love is also in that discussion because he's the next best player. Um, I would extend Daniel Jones eventually. Just don't do it yet, in my opinion. Just I agree with you. Yet. Yeah, I would do Saquon now before the value gets too high. Yes, I agree with you. Steve says extend the both on team friendly deals. I think Jones again, like I was saying before, maybe a three year with a potential get out after one if they can somehow make that work. Joe Shane's smart enough. Hell, Kevin Abrams is good at math. No, you still have him there, Brandon Brown. Good recruiter. I like where the Giants are headed into 2023. And I like the outlook for the second half of the season. We look at the next couple of games, Houston and Detroit. We said for the Giants to be a playoff team, they definitely need to win three of these four games. Now I only think they have to win two. I think three would be nice. But let's say they slip up against Detroit. It's not the end of the world. Um, you know, the schedule does get a little tougher, not too tough, but the Colts don't look scary now at all. Philadelphia, they're playing tonight against the Texans, but quite frankly, they're undefeated. But who have they played outside of Minnesota? They have a very easy schedule. That's another thing, too. And we always like we usually split with Philly anyway. So even if they do beat us, there's a very good chance that in the next to- next matchup we beat them. I well, think before last year we had a crazy lately they split against Philadelphia. I remember, I remember the post uh, incident that we don't talk about at that New York City nightclub that the Eagles have mostly dominated. But lately the Giants have been splitting at least since the Joe Judge era. Yeah, such a clown show the the, the Eagles are. Um, franchise yeah they're 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 so annoying to me um them and them and that orange and black hockey team that plays across the street from them yeah um so we all have come to an agreement that we'd extend all barkley jones and are we all in unison on love i don't know do do we confirm that do you guys like julian love as much as i do I, i do I do. I just have to see the actual numbers of the contract to s- consider how I feel about it, but I wouldn't be upset about it, mm-hmm. keeping him on the team. Yeah, because I will say this before this year, it was kind of confusing. Like, what is his role? Right. Like, what is his, his role? He was stuck behind Logan Ryan and Xavier McKinney. And I think part of the reason why they let Logan Ryan go in the offseason is because of the emergence of Julian Love. Right. It doesn't look like the Giants have missed much of a beat there. Plus, he is the leading tackler. That definitely helps. But um, Hank, Sam, any final thoughts here tonight before we sign off? I know doing a little bit shorter of a show this week because of the bye week, there's no game to preview. So it's kind of interesting to have these discussions on the team, evaluate some players and try to find out what direction we're headed in the second half of the season. Yeah. Like I said earlier, really excited for the second half of the season. Um, I think all around we have some really good momentum going, and hopefully the bye week doesn't mess with that momentum and just kind of helps as a, a break to regain it 
and keep on going forward. And I'm stoked. I'm real stoked. Yeah, I'm really excited to see how the rest of uh, the season plays out. And Tom, let me piggyback on your comment about the wins. Like before I go, you said two or three. My magic number, to borrow a baseball term that you may or may not have heard on a certain other show on Review and Preview called Hitting for the Cycle, I hear it's pretty good. But uh, to borrow a term that I've often used there, I would say my magic number was 10 wins. That's looking more and more realistic by the day. And, you know, you look at who the Giants play, I think they probably will split against Philadelphia because I, quite frankly, the Eagles are bound to lose a game sooner or later. And, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I was, look, I was looking at their schedule. The only really tough opponent they had was the Minnesota Vikings. And look, I'm not going to lie. The Eagles are a talented team. Like they, It's obvious that, that they're one of the more complete teams in the NFC. But then again, to be fair, the NFC really isn't that strong. I mean, because you look besides the Giants, the three of the best teams in the NFC are all in the same division. You know? So... Mm. Look, not Dallas. Record wise. I'm talking record wise. Uh, well, Minnesota's six and one. No, I don't think Dallas is as good as six and two. Minnesota's six and one. The West and the South are both shitty divisions. So yeah, it's it really hasn't been that great of a schedule. But looking at it, I think the Giants should I can see the Giants winning one or both games against Washington. The Giants have historically done well against Washington too. So heck, may, maybe Maybe they won up me with my whole ten game magic number. <laughs> yeah, and they're still after five. Being, they- after like trying to give them the benefit of the doubt for so long, and years they're bad. It's, it, maybe it's nice to be wrong and like be happy for a change. It is nice to be wrong, especially when your team is winning. But there is still five divisional games yet to be played: two yep. against Washington, two against Philly, one against Dallas on Thanksgiving, folks. And next week, you're going to want to stay tuned for our preview of the Houston Texans and Sam. Uh, You and I might be having a special segment, possibly this weekend. We'll um, keep the folks tuned in for that. We'll have to get confirmation. Um, It is somewhat of a high-profile guest, so we'll talk about that more, though, via our social media promotional posts. But, um, Hank, Sam, I want to thank you both so much for joining me tonight. It's great to be back, by the way. Um, I just posted a film review, like, minutes before the show went live, so make sure to go check that out as well. On our YouTube channel, we're also on Instagram and Twitter at Big Blue Avenue, folks. You can check us out scrolling across that ticker below. I think it's that time. Without further ado, let's go Big Big Blue. Blue.